Welcome to Fire Headlines, where we cover the hottest topics in fire service news. I'm your host, Samantha Didion, and today I am joined by the panel, Chief Bob Horton and Chief Jeff Buchanan. Also joining us today is special guest, Chief Chris Bloom from Meridian, Idaho. Chief Bloom is a community risk reduction expert and teaches CRR courses at the National Fire Academy. Thank you for joining us today, Chief Bloom. Thank you for having me. Privilege. This month, Fire Headlines has reached a benchmark of over 10,000 downloads. Thank you to our amazing listeners for all of your support. To celebrate, we're introducing a new segment to the show that should make our panel of former Las Vegas firefighters feel right at home. This new segment is called Dealer's Choice. Jeff is sitting in the dealer's chair today to discuss, you guessed it, community risk reduction. We're taking a look at an article that was written by our very own Bob Horton. Jeff, can you give us an overview of this article and talk to us about some of the takeaways you found? Yeah, great. First, uh, awesome to be here. Samantha, B.O.B., virtual high fives all the way around for the 10,000 downloads. This is awesome. Great to be here, Chief Bloom. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Well, it's not just because I love my man, B.O.B., that I dig the article that he wrote. And I can tell you for me, as I perused and then read again with detail, the article that Bob put together, I did, I had three, three main takeaways. And I think that they're, they're meaningful to me and, and hopefully it can help inspire the discussion. The first one, unfortunately, CRR is not sexy. It just isn't sexy. So it's hard to get people to get behind it, even though that it should be sexy. And Bob really, really points this out. And it takes me to a kind of a military metaphor for uh, the KC-135 refueling group. And they came up with a really cool acronym, and that is N-K-A-W-T-G, N-K-A-W-T-G. And what that stands for is nobody kicks ass without tanker gas. And so in the fighter pilot community, you're either driving, you're working the yoke, you're moving that that weapon system through the air or you're not. But the reality is you need to refuel. You need the rest of the community in order to to put that airframe in the air and make it so effective, which brings me to the point number two, everybody has to get behind the mission. In the article specifically, Bob brings it up. He retells the story of John F. Kennedy when he's talking to the janitor about NASA. He said, what are you you doing here? And I loved it. The janitor said, I mean, hello, I'm, I'm here to help put a man on the moon. And I think that that parallel works in the fire service too. It doesn't matter if you are working in payroll. It doesn't matter if you are working in dispatch. Everybody, community risk reduction should be everybody's job and it's everybody's mission. Everybody has to believe in that mission because although we're fantastic reactors, we put the fire out. If we could stop the fire from happening, stop the fall from happening, stop the cardiac respiratory arrest from happening, then we're all better. We all have to believe in that mission. 
And then the third point I take away from it, it gets a bit cliche, but it's just something that we have to do. We have to have a paradigm shift. We have to stop thinking about what we do with fires once they're a fire. And we need to rally the entire department, the entire community and getting more upstream, getting more before the bang. And those are the impressions that I took away from the article. And I just think, you know, Bob did a great a great job of outlining this, uh, outlining the problem and, and really kicking it, you know, kicking it back to the community. And I, and I think that's where this whole thing starts. We, we got to get after community risk reduction. I was going to say, thank you, Jeff. I, that line about the John F. Kennedy story, that's what stood out to me as most. It really makes it known that this is everybody in the fire department's job to be aware of reducing the risk in the community. From all the way from the administrative standpoint, like Bob mentioned in this article, all the way down to the firefighters on scene. Absolutely, firefighting is the most adrenaline part of the job, probably why everyone looks forward to the most. But going back to the mission statements of fire departments, it is protecting your community and stopping some of these risks from even, even happening in the first place. But Bob, you're the author of this article. Can you give us a little insight on what your intents behind the article are or your thoughts while writing it? Sure, Samantha. Thank you. And Jeff, thank you for the high the high accolades and, and appreciate you covering the article. You know, first of all, uh, I want to thank Fire Rescue One for and the editorial team for, for running this. When I write articles like that, uh, that have run in Fire Rescue One, they're really designed to be provocative and for us to continue to have the discussion. This topic's particularly a passion of mine and, and I know it is of Chief Bloom, and that's why I'm grateful that he joined us on the panel to, to talk through this. Because I'll tell you what community risk reduction is not. Community risk reduction is not a rebranding of the Fire Prevention Bureau. Yet in many cases, when CRR first really got introduced to the fire service, that's how it was received in a lot of organizations as a fire prevention rebrand. And, and, and a lot of energy comes out of the Fire Prevention Bureau. But that is that is a piece of the agenda. And I wanted the article really to highlight because I don't want that to come off as a knock. And I, and I kind of really emphasize that in the article, like this isn't a knock at the great work fire prevention does. But when you look at organizations budgets, you have a very small budget that goes towards the prevention efforts. And it's large post incident response budget. And that that disparity is part of the issue, like part of the problem that we're not investing enough in how to reduce risk across our community. And if you look at other risk agencies, and I highlight Department of Homeland Security as a large-scale example of where it is just flat unacceptable as, as us in terms of providing for public safety to accept a negative outcome. It, you know, and so we, we really embrace this idea of counterterrorism, for example, that we are turning over every rock to identify risks of terrorism and lowering or eliminating those risks where possible. Public safety is an abstract concept. What does it mean to be a safe public? And what does it mean for us to be in the public safety business? And when we start to unpack that more broadly, where I feel we get to is, is we have to lower risk. To increase public safety, we have to lower risk. To lower risk, we have to understand risk, which means we have to study it. And we have to, we have, to have great data collection and data analysis and be able to take that abstract concept of, of public safety, define it into measurable, quantifiable risk, and be intentional and deliberate about how we work collectively as an entire organization to manage that risk. Gone are the days where we just sit and wait for bad things to happen and say we did a good job because we minimize the ultimate effect of that. 
And, and that's what I hoped was the catalyst for discussion. The, the article I write, the articles I write are about provoking conversation and about us challenging assumptions of what we do in this industry and hopefully put communities and quality of life within the communities at the forefront. Because after all, that's what fire uh, and emergency services, in my view, is there to do. Bob, I'll tell you, I really appreciate uh, your comments there. And, and certainly, Jeff, I appreciate your three takeaways. And there's a theme, I believe, that sort of transcend both of your comments. And, and I think that what's transcendent of that's a comments is the way that the fire service is positioned within the communities in the United States. We are a victim of our traditionalism, of our iconography. We are a response system. We pride ourselves in our response. I mean, the metrics that we measure are response times, unit hour utilization, all of these, to use Jeff's term upstream, these are all downstream. These are all things that we're, we measure and that we speak to our elected officials and our, and our, our firefighters about is what is our response time and how are we responding? And interestingly, uh, Bob, you and I, we've had the opportunity to teach in the community risk reduction curriculum at, at the National Fire Academy. And, and often I will, I'll put up a slide for, for students to see. And it says, there is no honor in putting out a fire that could have been prevented. And I'll tell you, you'll end up with the truck captain that crosses his arms and sits back in his chair and looks at that and kind of scoffs. And, and by the end of the class, by the end of talking about community risk reduction in the terms that it needs to be strategic, integrated, and represent a whole community approach, they actually don't take such offense to that term because what they're understanding, what they begin to understand is Jeff, you 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 mentioned left. I, I think you were re referencing left of bang. So the, the military vernacular for risk reduction is left of bang. They're recognizing what efforts can we endeavor in as an agency, as a profession, and look upstream or left of bang, and where can our intervention be? And that intervention is part of what Bob was talking about. Is is the prevention piece? And you know, it's interesting because it, I think that. When we talk about that response piece, the natural migration of effort in risk reduction has been to, to the prevention division, prevention bureau, because that's what they do. They, they are looking at, in a very narrow focus, what can they do from a prevention bureau or prevention department and reduce a community's risk? But in fact, we need to codify this within the fabric of the American Fire Service and recognize that risk reduction is the future of the American Fire Service. It's how we will justify expanding budgets and, and our staffing levels if we're able to demonstrate a reciprocal value in preventing emergencies from taking place in the first place. Chief Bloom, I, I wholeheartedly agree. You know, as I can contemplate and think back about the article that BOB wrote. One of his analogies was in the Homeland Security and how their efforts are focused in, in left of bang. That is their mission is to prevent the threat from occurring and it's embraced and it's sexy. And we think it's super cool and super intelligent how that agency leverages technology, innovation, and AI. 
and machine learning and all of these really cool concepts that are at the fingertips to prevent these things from happening and protect the American people in other countries, how they're doing it. We're talking about right here on our home soil. So how do we flip that script on how we look at risk? You are right. We're looking at cool. We deal with risk in the response category. How can we get our arms back around the reframing of risk and reducing it? Because in fact, that is pretty darn cool to reduce the danger for our communities. How, how can we change the mindset? Well, you know, Jeff, I'll jump in on that one real quick. I think it's, it's supremely challenging. How do we capture what was not lost? How do we capture the number of emergencies that weren't responded to? It's really simple, and I don't want to say lazy, but as a profession, again, you look at the iconography of the, of the front page of any one of the publications from the American Fire Service, and it, it is a monument of loss. It's the ripping house fire. It's loss. It, it's not sexy to use, your, your, use that term, because how do we quantify that? I can tell you in an Enfers report what the loss was, but where's the box that says, how much did we save? What was prevented from being a casualty to the incident? And, and if we move again back to the left of bang theory, it's like this, this should be preamble to all of the discussions that we're having from the time you're a recruit firefighter well into, into being a fire chief is how are we able to demonstrate reduction and value in the reduction in loss? But we don't we have we've chosen not to engage in that conversation at a national level anyway yet. I think that that's where we're going to have to use a Malcolm Gladwellism, the tipping point. That's where it will become an imperative that agencies need to demonstrate what are you doing in value to reduce your community's risk. In, in many cases, too, I'll add, you know, risk reduction or risk reduction initiatives don't always have to be some mon monumental you know, approach. And, and I'll tell you a couple of stories. First of all, I got my introduction to risk reduction at the National Fire Academy, and I applaud the great work by, that Mike Weller and his team have done to put together amazing curriculum. And I'm grateful to teach in it and along with Chief Bloom. I know he is as well. I went in as a station officer and the class was community risk reduction for station level officers. It's got a new name now, but that's what it was at the time. And that's where the light switch went on for me to say, you have a role like as a station officer to understand your community. I was an officer in downtown Las Vegas at the time. 75% of all structure fires that occurred in downtown Las Vegas in that era were vacant uh, residences that were occupied by squatters. Vacant residences occupied by squatters are very dangerous fires, as our firefighters know, and it puts our, our folks at great risk, particularly if you're going to go interior on something like that, which it was our policy, you know, frankly, to not do. But here's what we understood as we started to unpack that experience, 75%, three out of every four fires is occurring in, a, in these vacant homes. And what we understood as we started to assess and research and study that, that effect is that there was a neighbor who knew. There was a neighbor who knew there was a squatter in that building. They did not know what to do. They did not know who to call. And as a station officer, we worked that problem with collaboration of code enforcement officials, fire prevention officials, our response team, support of the battalion chief, our analytics folks. And we built a, a model that went out and, and did door hangers. If you see a squatter in this, because we know what the vacant 
homes were, that's easy. You drive, you're driving out to an EMS call and you look to the right and there's boarded up windows. You've got a vacant structure. And, and we went out and we did uh, targeted efforts to let those neighbors know if you see someone squatting, call this number. And we got commitment out of code enforcement on how to how to help alleviate that. And we see a measurable reduction out of that in the in the incidence of, of structure fires in the downtown area. You you could multiply that. That is an easy concept. That was a very low cost, low friction uh, approach to reducing risk in that particular response area. In Oregon, we had that we had a great story that. It doesn't pin medals and awards on people. And this is what's unfortunate. And I think that's part of the point of what Chief Bloom was making in, in prevention. Because if you're a firefighter and you sling a ladder to the second story of a building and you pull out a, a kid over your shoulder and, and get them out to, to safety, you are getting an award somewhere in front of a large audience and you're going to be celebrated. In February of this particular year, our teams responded out on a structure fire that was occupied by uh, a family with with juveniles. And there it, there were some socioeconomic factors and there were bad choices that were centered around this household. Uh, that's not really the point of the story. But that's there, there are these factors that initiated an initial structure fire. Well, our, our operations folks with our prevention team interfaced with that family had conversations about uh, exit drills in the home and escape routes out, out of the structure. They installed, it was a, it was somewhere in the six to eight or so smoke alarms throughout that house to allow for notice because they had no working smoke alarms at the time we were in that house for a fire in February. I bring up bad decisions because we end up back at that, at that fire or at that household in April with fire now ripping out the second story window. What we had was children who were outside that structure, who who safely exited from the second story, uh, uh, were able to jump to the ground and, and escape. Now I can't prove to you that our efforts of teaching those kids and putting in those smoke alarms evacuated that building in that April fire, but you also can't convince me that they didn't. Like that effort that our teams went through prevented a loss to those those kids. And the 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 award we gave awards right to those folks. We recognized them in our organization, but they weren't hauled up at on the stage at FRI and provided a major award. And we've got to figure out how to celebrate those wins because that kind of stuff is going on in our organization. But we have to do it at scale. We can't just wait for bad things to happen and respond and high five and celebrate the fact that we did it after the fact. And, and, and you know what, Bob, I, I want to hear what you and Chris has to say about I So I got a, I got this theory that part of this challenge is modifying expectations. And what I'm talking about, and this goes back to another article that you wrote, B.O.B., and that is what did you get into this job to do? Managing the expectations of the incoming firefighter to say, you know what? Yeah, you're right. In your other article, you talk about some of these calls that you go on that, again, I'll use the phrase really isn't sexy, but we are going to expect you to be extremely proficient at fighting fires and doing all of the high impact, high danger things. But we're also going to need you to work tirelessly to reduce the risk of the community from the event ever happening. It's an all hands on deck approach. It is everybody counts, it takes a village, pick the metaphor. And to me, my theory is this has got to begin early as we speak about fire departments, as we recruit for firefighters, 
as we manage their expectations, because then we can change the culture. Tell me I'm crazy. Jeff, I think you're, you hit the head of a nail significantly when you say that we need to manage the expectations and we need to instill in these, these individuals um, a, a sense of, I will say, ownership within the community beyond the agency. And, you know, recruitment, retention, these, these become important when we hire people. How are we attracting them? What, what, what images and, and what sort of statements are we say, making about our profession? Because I can tell you the ones that, that are most popular are bunker gear and fire. It, it, it's, this is the draw. This is the attraction. And so I think that if we're, we're honest with ourselves and we recognize the need for strategic integrated community risk reduction, it happens in the recruitment. And then it happens in the academy. The fire academy should not be 40 hours a week for 20 weeks of slaying the dragon. There needs to be some space and understanding and education to the members of what it is to be a risk reduction practitioner, because that's what their goal is. And every aspect of the job that they're doing becomes important to reducing risk, whether it's checking your turnouts, reducing your personal risk, checking the apparatus, reducing the risk of an accident on the way to a call. You know, um, when you're at a EMS call and you're waiting around because there always seems to be this lull in the battle on an EMS call, are you checking people's smoke alarms? Are you asking them, do they have an escape plan? Are you noticing slips, trips, and falls? Are you, or, or hazards within the house? And, and this is what I'm saying, where, where, where I'm at currently in, in, in Meridian, Idaho, we've integrated risk reduction as part of the academy process, where they become car seat installation technicians. They learn about how to safely change out a battery in a, in a smoke alarm and identify risk in, in, in the community members, whether it's in a, a grocery store, department store, or, or, or a, an apartment or a residence, because as we know, there are different risks associated with each one of those occupancies. To Chris's point, there's an opportunity to influence this risk uh, experience every day. And, and it doesn't have to be wholesale change. Now, I am this is a call to action to all fire chiefs to be aware of what risks in your community are. You know, we took, we gave some great military examples and staying left to bang and what in part helps the military to be strong in that space is the gathering and processing of, of intelligence. And that's where we start. And I think there will be a forthcoming article that's going to, that's going to really be the next step. The call to action is to understand community risk reduction is vital for us as, as the service providers to our community. Number one. And if you're ready to embrace that philosophy, number two is how do you start as a fire chief getting your organization there? How do you start? And, and I'm going to offer that it's about collecting data, analyzing data, and producing usable intelligence about risk for your organization. Because to do a chief Bloom just described it and we see it every day while we've been sitting there on the phone call, there's been hundreds to thousands of responses that fire agencies across the country are, are, are responding to where there are where they are now invited into somebody's home and they have the opportunity to look around for functioning smoke alarms for safety hazards, et cetera, et cetera, and be able to communicate uh, with those folks in terms of resources. 
I'm, I'm here. We're actually recording this. I'm here in Virginia Beach at the Metro uh, Planner Fire Planners Conference, where it is some of the the brightest minds in the fire service are here, trying to wrap their themselves around these types of problems. Particularly, uh, a lot of heavy emphasis on analysts who are here trying to improve the information intelligence experience. And just so to level set, you know what we're talking about. Information is the data or facts that have been gathered and communicated. Intelligence is the product of the analysis of the information. So how do we get information that's useful? How do we process that information through analysis to become intelligence? And how does that intelligence become operationalized throughout our organization in this context of risk? That's that's where I would argue is where we have to start as an organization. Uh, and and also embracing what it is that Jeff had to say, uh, this concept has to be taught at, at the very basic level of entry-level firefighters. But to the point in the article, if you work under the patch or the brand of fire and emergency services, you also need to be trained and taught on community risk reduction. Absolutely. Chief Bloom, do you have contact information that our listeners could have to reach out to you if they have any questions regarding community risk reduction? So, yes, Samantha, to continue the discussion, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Perfect. Thank you, Chiefs, for joining us today. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in for our first segment of Dealer's Choice. A link to the article we discussed today can be found in the show notes. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe and spread the word about our podcast to help us reach our next goal of 20,000 downloads. If you have a question for the panel, please reach out to us at fireheadlines at wfca.com and let us know what's on your mind. We'll see you back here next week for more Fire Headlines.